really believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. That this is not some emotional, pumped up, built up kind of thing, but there is a genuine power, a dunamis, a dynamite that's connected with the Spirit of God. And when it begins to move, man, things happen. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord. And so glad you're in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. 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 If you'll give me your attention for just a few moments, I will endeavor to share with you my heart tonight. I uh, always take the first Sunday of the month of February to kind of cast a vision for the year and with all of the things going on with my pastor, I have not really had that frame of mind. But I will tell you what I feel tonight is really the vision that I feel for our church this year. And if God will help me. I want to share that with you for a few moments. And I pray that God would minister to you and he would minister to this church. Jeremiah chapter 32 I'm going to read beginning with verse number 1, Jeremiah chapter 32. I'm going to read down a few verses and then for the sake of time skip uh, a few. So just stay with me. But it's all in the book. I'm going to try to stay in the book tonight. And I believe God's going to help us. Jeremiah chapter 32, verse number 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the tenth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, which was the eighteenth year of Nebuchadnezzar. For then the king of Babylon's army besieged Jerusalem, and Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the prison which was in the king of Judah's house. So you get a picture of the times in those two verses. Skipping down to verse number six, and Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, in this prison setting, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Behold, Hanamiel, the son of Shalom, Thine uncle shall come unto thee, saying, Buy thee my field that is in Anathoth, for the, for the right of redemption is thine to buy it. So Hanamiel, mine uncle's son, came to me in the court of the prison, according to the word of the Lord, and said unto me, Buy my field, I pray thee, that is in Anathoth, 
which is in the country of Benjamin, for the right of inheritance is thine, and the redemption is thine, buy it for thyself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. Verse 9, And I bought the field of Hanamiel, my uncle's son, and he said, I weighed him the money, even... 17 shekels of silver, the full price, what the man would have received if market was at its best, he paid the full price. So I took the evidence of the purchase, both that which was sealed according to the law and custom and that which was open, and I gave the evidence of the purchase unto Barak, the son of Neriah, and he said, I charge Barak, verse 13, before them saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Take these evidences, this evidence of the purchase, both which is sealed and this evidence which is open, and put them in an earthen vessel that they may continue many days. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. And everybody said amen. I want to talk to you for a few moments tonight about what is your faith saying about the times what is your faith saying about the times? And everybody said amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I read the other day that a man's life is the outcome of what he believes or what he does not believe. A man's life is the outcome of what he believes or he does not believe. We as born-again believers, blood-bought people, are called to a life of faith. We are called to live by faith. As a matter of fact, more than once the Bible declares that the just shall live by their faith. Amen. We are called to a life of faith, but even more precisely, we are called to live a life of faith. To live a life of faith. When one looks at the times in which we live and the future of our life, many would be in agreement that things do not look all that promising right now. When you consider the direction that the world is going and the way things are shaping up, it doesn't look too bright. When you consider the tide of affairs that seem to rule and prevail in this hour, it is a bit discouraging. And when you understand the influences that are working right now in our world to touch our families and our children and our marriages and our homes, 
then again you are under the understanding that the times are not all that good. There are many who are of the opinion that what we are doing here tonight is a waste of time. And there are many in this hour who believe that what we are involved in tonight is a waste of energy and it is a waste of our money, our finances. Here in our text is found, I believe, one of the most striking examples of what true faith is when it is lived out, not just something that is spoken, but something that is actually lived out on a day-by-day basis. It's one thing to say you believe something. It's another thing to live what you say you believe. I want to set the scene for you if you've not already gotten the picture of the times, but for God's people, things could not have looked bleaker. Jeremiah, their prophet, was in prison, and the bottom had fallen out of the market because of the impending issues they were facing as a people. It was not a day to be buying It was not a day to be uh, in the market because there were too many uncertainties. It seemed at the time that the end of God's people as they had known it was come to its end. There was a a way of life that they were going to lose and it was going to vanish and in some views and in some eyes it would probably never be the same again. Every prospect of them returning to a normal life that they had known was vanishing moment by moment. And in that setting, Jeremiah is approached by a cousin by the name of Hanamiel. And he is offered a deal. I want to sell you a piece of our ancestral land. I want to give you a bargain Nobody knows why, perhaps because of the times. There are historians that believe that Hannah Mill sold that plot of land because times were so desperate that he had no money and this was his only way of generating funds. Whether that's the case or not, I don't know. What I do know is that Hannah Mill was willing and ready to sell out in a very desperate hour. And so God began to speak to Jeremiah and and tell Jeremiah, you are to buy that land and you are to buy it at its full price. Now anybody that knows anything about markets knows that when the market is down, that's the time to buy. And not just buy, but buy cheap. You don't have to pay full price when the market's depressed. There's no reason for you to go out and splurge or to to be excessive in your finances when the market is down. But God speaks to him and says, you pay the full price because what you do is going to be an evidence of your faith. And the actions that you take in these times is going to declare what you really believe. 
And so even though the times didn't seem to be appropriate, he bought the land. What makes it seem to be such an absurd thing is because at that very moment, according to history, the Assyrian army was moving toward Jerusalem. And in the path of Jerusalem was this plot of land that Jeremiah was being sold by his cousin. Anathoth lay right in the direct path of that ravaging conqueror from Assyria. And the future for that property did not look like it would stay very long in his possession. But faith said, I see otherwise. And so Jeremiah, his faith in God, propelled him to purchase this property. Even though at the moment, it seemed like the most absurd thing that he could do at a time when property would be greatly devalued and you could buy it as cheap as you wanted to buy it. Who would give a penny more or a penny actually for this piece of property knowing that in a few days it's going to be overrun and the Assyrians are going to take possession of it it doesn't seem hardly worth the effort or the energy or the time. It's hardly worth anybody's time to buy in such a time. But it was in such a time that Jeremiah bought. Because his buying was actually an expression of his faith. What he believed the future was going to be. What he believed the outcome of this story was going to be. The question that comes to anybody's mind is why, why did Jeremiah buy? Because he was a sentimentalist? Because he had some certain connection with this land? Or was he actually a man who was losing his mind from being imprisoned for no cause? Why take such a risk at such a time? Simple economics will tell you that it's not the thing to do. But Jeremiah's actions were a reflection of his faith, not his times. Did you hear what I said? His actions were a reflection of his faith, not his times. Because if he had gone by what the times were saying, the times were saying it's time to sell out. It's time to bail out. It's time to let go. It's time to forget. But Jeremiah's faith said, I see something better than the time that we are presently living in. I remember a promise from God. I remember that God told me a long time ago that we would go into captivity, but we were coming out. And so Jeremiah based his actions not on his emotion, not on his sentiments, but he based his actions on his faith in God and his faith in the Word of God and his faith in life in general. He believed that in spite of what it looked like, stock in God's economy was always a good investment. 
We have to decide tonight, church, what the future will be for us. And we decide either by our circumstances or by our commitment to what we believe is true. And if we go by our circumstances, our circumstances will tell us that we've already lost this crew right here because the influences on their life are so powerful and they are so negative against what we represent that we'll never gain them, we'll never win them, and we'll never see them disciple and grow up to become the church of tomorrow. That's what our times are saying. But I want to know what your faith is saying about the time. Because my faith is that when I look at these young people, I see something that's worth investing in. I see something that's worth giving my time to. I see something that's worth praying for. I see something that's worth fasting over. I see something that's worth believing in. So what, are, what, what is your faith saying about the times? You decide what the future will be by your commitment to what you believe or by your circumstances that you live in. If you read the statistics, the statistics will tell you that church is dying. That what we're involved in tonight is dying. Churches are not getting larger. We're just shuffling people around. That is a fact. According to the latest statistics, the church globally is not really growing. We're just massaging numbers and moving people around. And in fact, most of them believe that the church is on its way out. And if you listen to all of that garbage, you can begin to believe that maybe they're telling us the truth. That Hollywood's winning over what the Bible says. That the political system of our world is so messed up that some deadbeat drug addict in Hollywood has more influence over an election than a God-fearing person does that pays their tithes and that gives their offerings and that pays their taxes and lives a good godly life. If you look at the times in which you live right now, they will tell you that what you're involved in is a dying cause. But I want to know tonight, what does your faith say about the times? What does your faith say? You see, if Jeremiah had refused to buy that land, he would have actually been denying the faith that he had preached to these people for years. And if he had refused to buy it back with his money, it would have been tantamount to him denying his faith. He knew the times did not require that he pay such a price, but his faith did. The times will tell you that a lot of what we do isn't necessary. It isn't Important. It's not essential. As a matter of fact, the times will tell us that really we're just blowing, whistling Dixie in the wind. It's like 
the little boy with his finger in the hole of the dike. You can't stop it. It's going to break. That's what our times say. But he didn't base his actions on the times. He based his action on his faith in God and what God had said. And by buying the field, he was redeeming his own faith in the future and his faith in his God. His faith actually saw a brighter day and he was willing to invest in it and give himself to its purpose. He risked his all on one thing and that was the promise of God that Israel was going to come out of bondage and they were going to be a free people again. I say to you again tonight, the world will tell you that we are crazy. Especially on a Super Bowl night to even be thinking about having church. You are literally out of your ever-loving mind. Ain't nobody going to come to church on Super Bowl Sunday night. Well, folks, we don't have a record crowd here tonight, but look around. Not everybody stayed home tonight. If you listen to what the world will tell you, they will tell you that nobody is interested in what we represent anymore. They will tell you that you are wasting your time and your energy and you are wasting your money. And what good will it do even if you give your efforts? My question tonight is, are they right? Are they right? Does it matter if we keep the lights on? Does it matter that we keep singing about the power of the Holy Ghost? Does it matter that we are called to prayer so that we can seek the face of God when it would be a whole lot easier to sit back on the pew and go through our little our phone and make sure we got all of our messages for the day? Does it really matter that we are called to sacrifice in such an hour? Does it matter that what we are doing tonight is going to make any difference in the world? Does it matter to any of us tonight? Amen. Does it matter that we maintain a spirit and a presence of God in this place so that if the Lord tarries, that in generations to come, they too will know what we have known tonight. Does that matter? Where's Callie Grace? She asleep? Callie Grace, come here. Come here. Riley, you too, come here. Come here, babe. I want to ask you something. Is she worth it? Not just because she's mine. Is he worth it? Is he worth the sacrifice? Is he worth the offerings? Is he worth the prayer meetings? Is he worth the money that we give? Come on, boys. Come on. Come on. Are these boys here worth what we're doing here tonight? Come on, children. Come on. Come on up here. I want you to look at these faces. I want you to look at them right now. And I want to ask you a question. What is your faith saying about the times in which we live? Come on.
Come on, come on, kids. Yeah. What, what is our faith saying about these kids right here? I'll tell you what it's saying. Every time you give an offering, every time you come to the house of God and you lift your hands to pray and worship, every time the choir sings, we feel the power, and you get out and you begin to move in the Holy Ghost. You're saying that these kids right here matter, and they're worth the investment, that whatever we've got to do to maintain the power and the presence of God, these kids right here are worth whatever we've got to do to make sure God stays in this place. All you young people, come up here. Come on, you kids, stay right here. You young people, come on, you guys. Come on, come on up here. I'm not going to embarrass you. Why don't you come stand across here? Sometimes you just like to wring their neck. Sometimes you just like to take them by the ear and just twist it until you twist it off because they're at that age when they can just aggravate the fire out of you. But I want to ask you something tonight. Are these kids right here worth the investment? Are they worth whatever we've got to do to save them? Are they worth whatever we've got to do to make sure they live for God? Are they worth whatever we've got to do to make sure that there's an atmosphere here where their life can be changed? Are they worth whatever we've got to do to make sure that the power of the Holy Ghost remains in this house? I want to ask this church tonight, what does your faith say about the times in which we live? I tell you what my faith says. My faith says they're worth it. My faith says I want to do what I can every time I can, every service I can, every opportunity I can. I want to give them my best because I believe they are worth what we're here to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. You see, faith is an investment. It is done not based on what is at the time, but what can be in time. There's some future preachers up here. There's a future pastor's wife up here. There are Sunday school teachers up here. Yeah, there's youth leaders up here. There's choir directors up here. There's song people. There's worship leaders up here. Oh, yeah. So you may not see it right now, but you need to let your faith come alive and realize that with God, anything can happen and God can transform our lives through these kids. My faith says they're worth whatever we got to do. Amen. Whatever we've got to do, whatever kind of investment that I have to make. I want to make a statement tonight. I hope you don't get mad at me. But it's a shame when we can spend more money on a vacation than we can invest in the work of God because we think the preacher has too much. You know what, folks? You're not doing this for me. We're doing it for them. I'm going to tell you, I'm not boasting tonight. 
And I'm not bragging, but I can tell you there would be no family life center if your pastor was interested in getting himself wealthy over a church. I would not have sacrificed the things we've sacrificed whenever we'd had money to expand or build or go the next step or go the next mile in my heart. I said, God, that's where we want to go. Not because of me, but because of what you see here right now. And I say to you tonight, church, that whatever we've got to do in 2014, we've got to make sure that we give them the opportunity to know the power of God and that we are willing to invest ourselves in the cause of God like we have never invested ourselves before. Praise God. I'm going to close. Y'all can stand, everybody, if you want to. Young people, thank you for coming up here. Children, I wish I could help you, help me preach a little while, but I'm going to let you go back to your pew. Go back to your parents. Faith costs. It costs. If we really believe we're going to pay a price, we need to back our faith by our sacrifice. We back our faith by our service. And we certainly back our faith by our finances. We either think it's worth it or we don't. And the price we pay will be based on the value that we place on what God has said to us. If we believe what is going on around here matters, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do in 2014. We're going to fight anything that leads to division. Amen. I said we're going to fight anything that leads to division. We're going to bring it down in our own heart first. And then we're going to get on our knees and bring it down in any other area that it might affect the church. Because we don't need a divided church. We need a church that's unified. We need a church that loves one another. We need a church that knows how to get along together. And if you have problems one with another, then you need to know how to come to an altar and get those things right. Because it's worth the investment. If we believe what's going on around here, that it really matters, we will fight anything that leads to gossip. Amen. Because gossip never helped anybody. If we believe what we're involved in tonight, and we believe that it really matters, we will fight anything that leads to tearing down and not building up. Amen. And if we believe what we say we believe, we will fight anything that leads to criticism and a judgmental attitude. Seeing if people merit or they measure up. We're not here to measure people. We're here to help people get to a place where God can put the rule on them and say, yes, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's the only measuring that really counts. Can you put a price tag on what we felt today? Can, can you put a price tag on good church? You know, I, I almost hate to say this because sometimes you speak 
things, but I've been here 21 years. I have never known what a church split is. I know men who pastor churches that have split, I mean right down the middle. This devastated the church, affected the community. They still have not recovered from some of those things. But for 21 years, we've had differences of opinion. We've had people leave us, but we have never had a church split. I am thankful for that tonight. You can't put a price tag on that. Can you put a price tag on what we have felt today? The power of God. There's no denying that. You can't work this up. You can't figure this out in some private setting and come out and orchestrate all that happened around here today. You can't do that. It has to be the hand of God. Can you put a price tag on that? Can you put a price tag on seeing your kids lifting their hands, speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives them utterance? Can you put a price tag on young people that are slain in the Holy Ghost? Hey, Brother Hughes, we, we spend too much money around here, do we? Do we? Not if we really believe they're worth it, we don't. As a matter of fact, if we really believe they're worth it, we're going to dig deeper this year and give more sacrificially to the work of God than we've ever done. Not so you can help me be better off. I'm not interested. I don't, I don't need anything. I'm just wanting something that we can expand the kingdom of God a little further. Amen. I want to be able to have to worry about that upper room not being big enough for the landing. Young people, I want to worry about that, that upstairs not being large enough because a youth program just explodes. Yeah. Terry, Terry, I, I want to worry about what we're going to do for classroom for Sunday school because we've got more kids coming. I want to worry about where we're going to park because we've run out of parking space because there's too many people coming. That's what I want to worry about. Amen. So my question tonight for 2014 what is your faith going to say about our times? In your service, in your sacrifice, in your giving, in your loving people, in your helping people, in your wanting to be involved in ministries that will bless our church. We've started several new things this year and we're going to be sharing some of those things with you in a, in a future service. But one of them we talked about this morning, connecting to our community. An effort to do something we've not done in this way before. But to reach out to a community and say, we love you. We thank you for your service, for your sacrifice. We want you to know that our church is praying for you, that we are behind you, that we support you. We are doing things internally to try to make this better for all of us. 
My question to you tonight again is, what will your faith say of the times? My faith's telling me that whatever I've got to do, whatever sacrifice I've got to make, whatever step I've got to take, it will be worth it. Amen. When I look at these young people, there's something burns inside of me to make sure that every time we come to church, we feel the power. Amen. When I look at these children, when I see my grandbaby and your grandchildren, there's something yearns, and there's something that burns down deep in my soul that said, God, if you should tarry, you're coming. And they grow up to be leaders in the church. What the church will look like then won't be very much different than what it looks like right now. But whatever the future might be, that we will maintain that godliness and that spirit of, of, of holiness that has made the church what it is. But however you should tarry your coming, that they will know that this is how we serve the Lord. Praise God. So what is your faith saying tonight? The times we live in with all of its difficulties is really appealing to us to give a distinct pledge to our faith tonight and say, God, whatever you want me to do this year, I want to do it to the best of my ability. In a time when many are selling out, I want to buy in. I want to invest. I want to give. I want to pray. I want to worship. I want to reach. I want to love. How do you feel about it? Are your kids worth it? Are these young people worth it? Is our future worth it? Then make a commitment with me tonight. Make a pledge of your own. God, whatever I can do to make a difference this year, I want to commit myself to doing that tonight. Would you do that? Would you slip out right now and meet me at this altar? God, right now.